Hello and welcome to the Evan and Emily podcast. We hope you enjoy the episode. I think teaching kids that it's good to express their feelings, put words to their feelings, and acknowledge their feelings is a really healthy thing to do. Hey, Emily. Hey, how's it going? It's good. As usual, how are you? Pretty good. You know, it was my son's birthday today, so that was really fun. Wow. I know. He's six, which is crazy and fun at the same time. But That's wild. It's wild that I have an eight and a six-year-old. And so, yeah, just got to spend some time with family. He got to open presents, got Legos, got all the things that a six-year-old would want. Yeah. An electric scooter, all the rage, a lots of Legos, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. And Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> was this a family occasion or how did you approach it with celebrating? Yeah. So we, with our first daughter, I kind of started this tradition just on accident. I just did it on her first birthday and then we've done it for all of our kids' birthdays ever since. But when we wake up, when they wake up or we wake them up by coming into the room with a bunch of balloons and singing happy birthday really loud and turning on their light and throwing the balloons on their bed. (laughs) And so we, now our kids wake up before us on their birthday because they're so excited. They wake up (laughs) on. Yeah. (laughs) Come in our room. Is it time? And so, yeah, we, we did that. And then we went and celebrated with my husband's family, which was really special. Nice. And he actually shares a birthday with my mother-in-law. So it was her birthday as well. So it's a dual celebration, dual celebration. (laughs) Cool. And weekend. mine mine was good. We mostly relaxed. It was nice. My parents were out of town and my wife's parents, we, we got to see briefly on Friday, but that kind of gave us the luxury of relaxing all weekend, which was pretty cool. Nice. One actual unique thing that I'll, I'll bring up that kind of more relates to I think an episode we're going to have in a couple of weeks, but I randomly met some, some guy on Twitter. (laughs) Always a good, yeah, you met him in real life. Both. I met him first on Twitter, (laughs) which is always a good start to a story. So I have very little followers on Twitter. I just kind of use it for uh, a news aggregator following people that I enjoy or who are funny or I, think they're smart, business savvy, whatever. But I I have been gaining some followers lately for whatever reason. Maybe they like the way I comment. Who knows? Who cares? But this one guy, apparently he moved to my area recently and he started following me just kind of out of the blue. And he direct messaged me saying, hey, I, I like what you do. It seems like we're like-minded. I looked you up on LinkedIn, et cetera. You want to grab some coffee? So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's kind of strange, weird, but interesting. No, so yeah. we met up a couple of weeks ago. It seemed like a nice guy. He's, he's working for a startup out of New York, but regardless, he seemed cool enough where both new dads. He has a a four and a half month old son 
And so we actually oh, met up to share your wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> I did. But we met up today with his wife, his son, and oh. my wife and my daughter for lunch, which was a great time. And we'll probably hang out again. So awesome. the power of the power of the internet, the power of social the power media. Of the internet. <laughs> wow, look at you using it for good. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm doing my part. But I thought I thought that was interesting enough to, to reference. Like, yeah, it is. There you go. Yeah. Friendships. Yeah. So speaking of social media, I heard you had a chance to listen to my best friend oh. Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> I did. Oh my gosh. So and you know what this means, right? <laughs> you are now an active listener of the Joe Rogan podcast. You have to put this on your resume. You have to put it on social media. You have to announce it to the world. All over social media. I'm really big on social media. I'm all over the place in social media. Everyone probably follows me. Emily, big deal. <laughs> I'm a big deal. Yes. No, I did listen to an episode all three hours. It took me multiple days. It <laughs> felt like the never ending. No, it actually wasn't too bad. Okay. So I listened to an episode where he talked with Sanjay Gupta from okay. CNN. And this was about COVID essentially. Doctor, just about, yes, mostly about COVID, but also just about other things. They talked about kind of health in general and things like that. So, And one of our other topics we'll bring up today. Yes. Did they? Oh, yes. No, they did. Yeah. Did you listen to that episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've listened to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They know they did touch on it. I forgot about that. So, yeah. Okay. I actually, shocker to all, including myself, didn't hate it. I, <laughs> high praise. High, high praise. High praise. Truly, truly. I went into it honestly being like, I don't think I'm going to make it through He's going to be so arrogant, so annoying. I'm going to absolutely detest him. And I truly came out of it being like, I don't actually hate Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone I said that. But no, really, I thought he was, I thought he was fair. I thought he listened very well, even on things he disagreed with. I think that's one of the things that can irritate me the most is if you're trying to have a conversation with differing views, if someone continually interrupts someone or doesn't let them make their point. Yeah. Where he really never, there was one at one point where they kind of got like heated together and Joe was not understanding. Joe was not understanding what Sanjay was trying to say and Sanjay was not explaining it better. And they had like one little spot where they kind of kept talking over each other. But out of three hours, you're that's about to happen, I'm sure. Right. And that was, yeah. I think, if I recall, about the vaccine in particular, right? It was about, yes, it was about a study Joe was talking about comparing all of COVID hospitalizations to specifically myocarditis. Mm -hmm. And Sanjay was trying to say, well, we it's a different thing to compare myocarditis to all hospital COVID versus whatever. And then Joe was like, I don't understand what you're saying basically. So, yeah, but in general, I thought he was a good listener. I thought he, he, I enjoyed the fact that when he, he, he brought up a study or Sandra brought up a study that they pull it up and they talk about it and it's right there. Because one of the things that I really can't stand is when someone just comes at people with facts from who knows where, and so, and most of the, most of the studies he would reference Sanjay knew about or had read. And so they were able to have a conversation about it. Yeah. I didn't think he was arrogant. I didn't 
find him disturbing. I didn't find him a lot of the things that I thought I would. I actually laughed a ton. I I enjoyed it so much that I was like, I'm going to listen to another episode. <laughs> Gladly. Like I, I was like, okay. And he, I'm trying to think some other things that I really enjoyed. I think just his general demeanor was less aggressive than I expected it to be. Now, then I went to another, I went to listen to another episode and I ended up listening to one of the ones that you sent me. But prior to that, I tried to just go random. I was like reading the little bios and I mm. found a woman who was like, it's in the bio, it was like feminist, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, let me try this. I could not even make it. I, I detested her so much. I couldn't even make it 30 <laughs> minutes. I couldn't even make it like 20 minutes. I was like, I, this is garbage. I can't, I can't, I can't with this. So stopped that and then listened to one of the ones you sent me with, but I haven't finished it. Cause again, another three hours. Yeah. Do you remember um, who, which one? The astro, the astrophysicist. Oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And so, my husband knows a lot about Neil deGrasse Tyson, apparently. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, Did you just like, find that out? This one. And then he was like, oh yeah, I love him. And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> I have many follow-up questions. <laughs> so first and foremost, <laughs> based on how I described my appreciation for him last week, how did that how did that compare once you got into it? I think give me the brief, give me like 3 of your favorite things that you appreciate about him. Well, so well I think I answered my own question because you kind of described it in a similar way that I did. But I basically said, I thought he is a great interviewer and a great listener. And I think he just overall has a general curiosity that lends itself to a great conversation. And he... Yes, I can see that with him because he also retains... I think he retains information very well. Mm -hmm. He was able to reference a lot of things both in that one I listened to also in the 20 or 30 minutes that I listened to the one that I stopped. Yeah. She was trying to squirm out of something. She was like, I don't know why Twitter banned me. And he was like, well, I actually call, I know why they did. And so that kind of was funny to me, but then even with Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson. yeah, deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson, he he was able to maintain conversation with him and ask him questions and say, can you explain this to me? And so I get the impression that he's able to retain information very well. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, it kind of has a curiosity to know more about those things. Yeah. And more than that, he also, I think he has a tendency to not be afraid to challenge somebody if he doesn't understand it or if he doesn't agree with yeah. it, which I really like. I brought up an example last week, the the Rich Roll podcast, where he's great. He seems like the nicest guy in the world, but he'll ne never challenge somebody if you know they say something that maybe he personally doesn't agree with. And mm -hmm. that comes off to me as not great in an interview setting because you yeah. want to get to the bottom of the truth of something. And mm -hmm. if you're just agreeing with everything, then what's the point? Yeah. I think Joe Rogan does a fantastic job of not 
allowing that to continue until he at least grasps it or, you know, listens to it again, which I think is great. And And, I think, yeah, I also felt, oh, good. I also felt like he, oh, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. You say what you were. (laughs) I, I mean, it's no coincidence that he is the biggest podcast in the world. He's clearly an expert. Literally what I was (laughs) (laughs) He's clearly an expert at talking to people. He's a comedian by profession. So naturally, he's going to be able to inject some comedic sense into a conversation. And all of those things combined, and is just natural curiosity, just makes for a great person to be able to interview somebody. So I... I like his podcast for that reason, but at the same time, just as you found out in the three examples so far that you've been introduced to, I very much dislike many of the people he interviews and some of the interviews themselves are just terrible. They're just totally, I I was going to mention that too. Yeah. Like it's another, it's one thing. I think I learned a lesson Mm -hmm. that I don't really dislike Joe Rogan himself and actually find him quite enjoyable. We also, agreed on quite a lot of things that I was surprised about. He's not really anti-vaccine like I thought he was. Just like a lot of things he was saying, I was like, I actually agree with a bunch of what he said. But then I think it's a whole different conversation to say, well, who do I think he should be giving a platform to? And I think people can disagree about that. Right. And where I think he is now being thrust into the spotlight, maybe unfairly, is... He doesn't, I think, truly understand or grasp his reach. And how could you? I mean, he's he's been doing this podcast for, I think, a decade or or longer. And he just does it uh, just because he likes doing it. So I don't think anyone said that he was like, nobody should listen to me (laughs) because I was like, okay, that's one thing to say that. But people are listening. So. It is, it's, it is a different because Sanjay was like, well, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons he came on, he said was because he wanted to reach a different audience than he reaches on CNN. Yeah. Which is very smart of him. Yeah. And he said, I, you know, I actually think you do a good job and enjoy. I I thought you'd be a good person to have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. And because he was like, people listen to you. And Joe was like, well, people shouldn't listen to me. Like, I'm not an expert on anything. But I think <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, but you do reach a wide audience. And what is your audience coming away with from your episodes? Yeah, yeah. But, but then again, it's, I'm not a, po- it's this weird, I have this weird internal dilemma, be- not internal dilemma, but kind of internal thought, differing thoughts about it, where I myself I'm like, I don't want to listen to this person. I don't want to get give their thoughts that I really disagree with airtime. One of his guests, let's say, but someone else may. And where is the, you know, where is that kind of what we talked about last week? Where is that line of censorship? Right. And so I think that's just a hard, that's just a hard thing. So, yeah. And since we talked last week, there's been more that's come out he's made several additional statements as has spotify and he even acknowledged 
great for him, which I don't think he needed to, but he acknowledged that he's listening to people and he appreciates the concern. And as a result, he's going to try and do a better job of bringing more balance onto his show in terms of the people he interviews and, you know, try to be more conscious of his reach, which again, I don't know how you can be as an individual with a sidekick. 11 million. Yeah. Yeah, With people with way more people than CNN or Fox News or any of these totally. ma- mainstream networks reach, which, by the but way, I see the draw. I see the draw yeah. of him. I really did listening to him. I was like, well, in the least, I at least see why people are in, intrigued. Yeah. And I mean, the the difficulty that I have is when you do make a comparison to from, let's say, his podcast to a CNN or a Fox News or whatever, those those news networks are deliberately trying to push a story or a narrative or an idea in a certain direction, which in my opinion is grossly irresponsible as opposed to having an honest conversation with somebody to try and figure out what their deal is and a lot of different people. So yeah, I, I much prefer granted all those people that he has on are trying to push something a certain way so it's not yeah but it's one one episode out of 1700 (laughs) and there's a difference like between the news and somebody's podcast i think there's a difference there like the news has a responsibility to truth and yeah (laughs) different trust level we've seen how that's gone joe joe rogan's podcast right i feel like there should be at least a distinction there. He really, he went hard into Sanjay about them. They made CNN made a comment about the ivermectin that yeah, he yeah. took and referenced that it was horse medication. Mm-hmm. And I thought Joe was exaggerating about how I thought they were saying he actually took horse medication, but they said ivermectin, which I think, and then they said is used in horse medication or something like that. And he just reamed. He was mad. He was mad about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, rightfully so. I mean, so. yeah, it, it's all crazy, but nonetheless, it's all crazy. but in general, I surprised, it surprised me, surprised myself. Yeah. Wasn't mad that I listened to it and gave him the, the listen that I was very, <laughs> very concerned about. <laughs> your, your very precious <laughs> listens, my very precious listens. So in general, is uh, the, the real know. question though is are you now following his podcast and I'm staying not up to date? <laughs> I will not be staying up to date with Joe. Okay, I liked it, but didn't it wasn't enough to also to convince me to listen. There'd have to be someone on his podcast that I would like to hear from for me to listen to for three hours. So yeah. I'm not saying I'll never listen again, but if someone was on it, like I'm a big fan of Dan Price. So if Dan Price went on his podcast, I would listen to that. Or like someone who I want to hear from, I would for sure listen again. So I will at least say that. Interesting. You mentioned Dan Price. (laughs) 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 What do you know about, what do you know about Dan Price? One of the reasons I felt better about listening. One of the reasons I felt better about listening to his podcast is that Dan Price liked some of his Instagram photos. And so I was like, okay, if Dan Price can feel okay about him, I think I can give it a shot and not feel bad about it. So there was that too. So tell me, tell me what you know about Dan Price. 
Okay, why? It just seems like a trap. <laughs> well, it is, for sure. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you uh, who he really is. I can, I can <laughs> clearly see that you dislike Dan Price. I, I have no like or dislike about him, but I found some information very interesting about him lately. That okay, Dan, Dan Price is the CEO of Gravity Payments. He recent. Okay, go ahead. You want to stop me there? <laughs> no, 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 keep going. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. He is most famously known for raising all of the minimum wage of his employees to seventy thousand dollars a year and taking a pay cut as a C- as the CEO. And through the pandemic, I think he even took no salary. So that's kind of what he's most famous for. Okay, so recently I found out that m- most of what's been reported in the news has been reported very deliberately by him to show a specific view of him and his company. So to get into it a little bit, when he announced this, he and his brother were running gravity payments together and his brother decided to sue him because he was taking too much money personally out of the business as a salary. I think he was taking like 1.7 million in terms of his salary when the company was making like 15 or so million, whatever it was in revenue. So it was in his brother's view, way too much for him to be taking as a result of not making that much money. So his brother sued him and eventually they settled out of court. Dan Price bought his brother out of the business. So he made this PR campaign that he was going to lower his salary to 70,000 along with all of his other employees. And he personally started buying up digital ads across all social media platforms and major news sites to push this story, which naturally, as we've seen, has grown his business tremendously, which he now owns, I believe, 100% of. So he's still making tens of millions of dollars in equity each year, even though he's just getting a salary of 70000 70, Totally. In a similar sense to, let's say, like Mark Zuckerberg makes $1 in salary per year, but he makes hundreds of millions in the stock that Facebook right. gets. Totally. So that's part one. What's more concerning is his ex-wife had also filed a police report and has claimed that Dan had waterboarded her, had raped her, and had abused her physically throughout their marriage. And I've never heard that. I'll send what? you I'll send you an article. Obviously, I don't know if what the where the truth lies, but there's many articles a real about article? it. Yep. Where? Just Google Dan Price wife abuse. Okay. Doing it now. <laughs> so I'll let you, I'll let you read that. And we Later. can maybe recap another time, we but can recap, we can recap another time. it's so fascinating to me that you brought him up in such high praise because you never know with price. people. You never, you never know. <laughs> well, I never, I didn't know about any of this stuff, before, right? but I really do like a lot of the things he talks about, which we, I think we disagree most in the, in the, in this realm of economics and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it would not be surprising to me that we would disagree about it. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe we'll revisit next week. Also Joe Rogan shocking me by saying that he thinks that we should have, uh, that 
free, we should get rid of student debts, free college education. And what did he say? He said just a few, a few other things that I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, okay, Joe, coming in with the, with the shockers here. The surprises. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's very liberal and libertarian in his views of money in the world. So, yeah, so I'm not we surprised. A, we agreed on a lot of that. But he's also that. a self-reclaimed idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> that could be where that's coming out. You like him until you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, I like his honesty. Okay. So let's go to our next topic, which is okay. an interesting one. So we have, two, we have two topics for today. Yeah. My reflections on Joe. Two more. We have, we're going to talk about the concept of death and how to talk to kids about it. And then we're going to talk about weed, shrooms, and psychedelics. (laughs) You say it like you're a 15 year old just discovering it for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. They're all the rage. Come on. They are. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's start with death before we go into psychedelics. Yeah. Then we're going to take psychedelics and talk about the meaning of death. Just kidding. Okay. Yeah. Which, which turns out is meaningless. <laughs> okay. Okay. So death, I, I've been curious about this for a decent time. I personally, in my own life, in my own head, think of death maybe more than the average person, just maybe my own inevitable death, not in like a, I would say weird or negative way or a fearful way, just in general, the concept of it. And on the other hand, my wife does not like to talk about death. It's a sad thing for her. And I think I would predict that when a loved one or a pet or some someone close to us, a living being close to us does die, it's going to be very difficult for her. And I, it'll still be difficult for me, but I think I may be able to cope with it a little better because I consider it more often. I don't know. There's yeah. some theories behind that. But yeah. now that I have a daughter and we have two cats that are not going to be here for more than 15, 20 years max, I think about that, having her, you know, that's there. She's going to be with them her whole life. And so that's going to be obviously difficult for her as a teenager to cope with, you know, the death of her loved pets Mm -hmm. and, you know, grandparents inevitably and, and naturally will come and go as well. So in your experience, you have older children who can communicate. Um, have you discussed this? Have you experienced it in any way? And how do you view it? Yeah. So interestingly enough, when all when my two oldest kids were born, all eight of their great-grandparents were still alive. Hmm. So that, that it's fairly rare i feel like to have all eight great grandparents alive yeah and so just recently within the past three years did two of my grandpa and then my husband's grandpa passed in the past three years so my kids were older when it happened Mm -hmm. and knew knew them 
So, but those were the first of the biggest deaths that they had yeah. in their life. And one of the things, so, and we've kind of talked about this before, we're religious, so we kind of have that aspect. Now, I will preface it with being completely honest. I'm not sure as much in my life these days that I believe in like a hell. So I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure while I am religious, I'm not really sure what is, I'm I'm not really sure what the afterlife is like. And I, I really not convinced or believe that there's a hell or or whatnot. So, so let's, let's unpack this for a second. Cause okay. I find it interesting. <laughs> okay. okay. So as a religious person, let's start with the natural question. Do you believe in a heaven then? Well, I'm, this is all, this is all within the past six months, I would say. So oh. I, I, we'd have to have, we'd have to have like a whole podcast about, <laughs> we could have a whole podcast unpacking my faith and journeys okay in my life so we can't we shouldn't we we gotta save it for another time but because it'd be too long i'm not really sure but at the time of their passing i would have said at the time of their passings i would have said yes and so in that sense we frame it like well you'll we had framed it like it is really sad when someone passes we miss them we love them they are still like alive in our hearts and we still honor them with our memories and we talk about them. We're also big proponents for telling our kids to feel their feelings. I think teaching kids that it's good to express their feelings, put words to their feelings and acknowledge their feelings is a really healthy thing to do. So we always tell them when we're watching a movie, whatever it may be, we sometimes we pause the movie and we say, let's just feel your feelings. If you need to cry, it's okay. (laughs) And so which kind of sounds funny, but my kids will will say it back. I just, they'll say, "I need to feel my feelings right now." And I'm like, "That's great! Like, feel your feelings. That's healthy. It's healthy to be sad when someone you love passes away." But at the time, we were like, "Well, you'll see them in heaven. They'll you'll see them there." And so that's kind of was part of it for sure. But I think truthfully, kids, they're not as not that they like they're sad and they cry about things like that or even things they'll see online. Like we try to shelter them from hearing just tragic things all the time, but every once in a while they'll hear someone talking about a story of someone dying or something happening in accident or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about it. Yes, that did happen. That can happen. That's really sad. And they'll, they'll express that they feel really sad. Wow. That makes me sad. My son is more sensitive than my dog. I love the way you say it. (laughs) I've not done weed. I've not done cigarettes. I've not done. (laughs) I have not done cigarettes. Not that I am against them. Mm -hmm. I just haven't. And I have wanted to try weed for a very long time. I almost did back in 20. Oh, what was the year? Like, I think it was like 2017. I almost did it at a friend's wedding. We were in Colorado. I almost did it, but I just not smoked it, but I almost had like a gummy or whatever. Okay. So there's an important lesson there, but keep going. I'll bring us back. Joe talked about it a little bit. Joe talked about it a little bit. But 
part of me just didn't want, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to say, I wasn't ready to not be able to say I've never done it. For some reason, I just like being able to say that. I just like being able to say that for some reason. Not that I'm against it. Not that I won't ever try it. I just like being able to say that I've never done it. I don't know why. I just do. For the novelty. For the novelty. So, okay. Clearly, as everyone can see, as a child, I was was very (laughs) straight-laced. A little bit judgmental. Um, Mostly just concerned about everyone, wanting everyone to be okay. I think growing into an adult and realizing that and, and like, what were we taught as kids, right? All of it is bad. Just all of it the same, like heroin, weed, it's all the same. Right? Which is it's all bad. Insane. Which is just completely insane. And so coming, growing into an adult and realizing, okay, obviously there's much bigger categories that we have here. We talk about, we can even, if you even want to compare, in my opinion, weed to alcohol, I would, I would argue that weed is has less damaging effects than alcohol by a I long think shot. I think a lot. <laughs> if you compare anything to alcohol, alcohol is the most dangerous ju- drug in our society by a long shot. And so I just listened to a great podcast about it today. I was, I almost sent it to you. I'll send it to you. Okay. So, so in that sense, I think I've really obviously changed and matured my thinking on it in the fact that, okay, there are benefits, especially for medicinal purposes, I think, why not a thousand percent? If we can use something like that versus these pain pills that become addicting and people become addicted to them, why would we not? Why not is my question. Yeah. And statement for that. And I think I will also say that I have a brother who is, is, has addiction problems to hard drugs like meth and heroin and started with a pill addiction. So having that be a part of my grown adult life, I have another brother who was addicted to pills, pain pills as well, who has been clean of it for many years, almost a decade, over a decade. So both of them were at one point. And then one of my brothers got into we eat meth and heroin and, and things like that. So also having that perspective, just knowing that just knowing and seeing the vast difference between the two and the education around it when we were kids was not great and is, imp- is improving, but I think we need to make a distinction between them. Psychedelics I have. Okay. So actually know someone recently who his whole, he, <laughs> this is really funny, was a pastor. I know him tangentially. Mo- other people I know know him better, but was a pastor, like totally was like denounced his faith and then now is a trip sitter. So his whole job now is that he, kind of what you're saying, he monitors people through psychedelics and their experiences and like watches them and make sure they're safe and administers like safe amounts and quick question on him does he do this in person or remotely pretty sure in person and also has i'm not sure if he does it remotely i i can't i can't say for sure i know for sure he does in-person things i'm not sure if he they also do like retreats 
Gotcha. Gotcha. There, just for the record, for the listeners, there are several services that are set up for this sort of thing. Almost like the the remote version, there's, I think, a few different apps and a few different call lines that you can call into that are almost like an emergency hotline for people that are having a bad trip that you can talk mm, to somebody. Okay, they'll talk you through it and, you know, mm. help you out in that way. So I think it's got great. It. I, but I was just curious what he might be doing. Got it. I'll send you his website. But... Cool. So, yeah, so I think, I think there are benefits to it. I think I would love more research around it, kind of like what you're saying, yeah. because it would be great to know, as with anything is good to know, here's the plus sides, what are the downsides, what is the harm that it could be causing, and things like that. Mm. And so I think, so that people can use appropriately to the best of their knowledge. And so I think that, natural forms like these that can be used maybe even for people to deal with trauma and things like that. I think it's great. And I think the more you know about it, the more you can create guidelines around it to have it be safe, or at least people help people know what is a safe way to engage in it. And for me, I think it's much better than some of these other things that we use to cope, to cope with sure. life. So I'm not sure. I also, I'm a little bit skeptical about, and this is just me as a person being skeptical of, I'm almost skeptical of, skeptical of every single thing until I'm convinced otherwise, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm skeptical of the, the amount of creativity and genius people claim when they're on trips. I'm, I'm confused about that aspect. I'm skeptical of it in the sense that I feel like people, I'm like, you're just, are you imagining that you're having this genius moment and then it isn't really that? Or are you, I'm kind of just like, eh, I don't know about that part. Yeah. Well, I can so, explain it to a degree. Okay. I, I, I've not written a award-winning song or written an award-winning book, so I can't speak to the absolute art artistic benefits. But in my experience, what I'll say is some of these substances, the way that they work from a mechanical perspective in your mind is they remove a lot of inhibitions that you naturally have just in a sober state, if if that makes sense. So well, it does, but I think I'm what, but is it made, is it made up? I think my question is, is so people feel like they're experiencing a part of the world or another dimension or a different thing than they would otherwise. But to me, I'm like, is it just a ma- a whole made up thing in your head? And and does that really matter? I guess if it's a made up thing, but they experienced it, I don't know. So, uh, are, so when you're asking this or you're curious about it, are you thinking of, let's say like in the, in the sixties, all of the rock and roll artists would say, you know, we, we smoke weed because it helps us write songs better. Is that kind of the, what no, you're even, curious even about? Psychedelics, even psychedelics. Gotcha. Okay. I, I understand like people wanting to put their inhibitions down, right? I think that's one of the reasons people drink, right? Socially, they want to feel more comfortable, less awkward. So they drink Yeah. instead of just learning how to be a human. But I, 
Sorry, that was so rude. Okay, I don't. <laughs> that was incredibly, incredibly rude. And I truly, uh, well, there's lots of We're going to take that one clip that. out of context and put yeah, it as the preview really. to this episode. Oh, boy. Okay, great. So, anyway, yes, say what you're going to say, please. Yeah, so I think all of these substances work differently. Again, just like alcohol affects you in a different way than marijuana would affect you. And there are certain things like a lot of people, to give just a generalized or broad example, a lot of people would say, like, under the influence of alcohol, they... In a guy's perspective, I would have maybe less of a worry to go up to a girl in the, in a bar and say hello or, you know, something to that effect. So that's something that alcohol would be able to reduce maybe some of that level of anxiety that I would normally have or anybody would normally have in a sober state. Similar sense with marijuana, it, in my experience the way that some of the strains work is that it allows you to relax in a in a in a way where you can think of things slightly differently so in my best experiences smoking or ingesting marijuana everything seems funny and just positive to me And I think of funny things. I think of funny things to say. Things that I hear are just funnier or they just come out in a different way. I hear them differently. I think of them Mm -hmm. slightly differently. Doesn't mean I don't have the capacity to do that same thing when I'm when I'm sober. I do. And I and I have. But it almost highlights it in a different in a different type of style. This is so it's a great example. This is my question, though. But what if. You're like, okay, or I find something funny, but what if it isn't funny, but just because you're in this altered state, it's now funny? Oh, for sure. You you don't. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I... So unless I were to write it down and then share it after the fact, I wouldn't know. But a lot of... Yeah, okay. A lot of let's say friends I have, or just people in general in more of the creative spaces, they, they would argue that they do write it down. They do, do you know, write a song or they do paint a painting or they do whatever creative outlet that they have. And other people seem to appreciate it. So that's, you know, a reinforcing mechanism for them that, oh, this drug allows me to unlock this creative ability. Even though it doesn't, it, they have the ability to do it. It just seems to them that when they're under the influence that it's easier to access that. That, that would be my main thesis is that the, the creative types I, I think in general are are just naturally creative and a lot of them have honed that skill and if and when they're under the influence they may find it easier to access that creativity that's my theory yeah I totally get it I think I'm skeptical yeah naturally I think it, I think it yeah and I think it, I think it's more in people's head it's like the altered state that's making them feel this way yeah but yeah but yeah and, i mean even like sandre was talking about when he because they had a conversation about sandre changing his, his opinion views. about his views about weed yeah 
and he said that he did he has done weed and or tried weed or whatever and that he wrote a bunch of stuff down and he said that afterwards he was like it wasn't bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i i again i think you're right to be skeptical you haven't experienced it yourself so it's it's really hard to understand what what that's like without having the experience yourself. So I, I would urge you to at some point have the experience. I don't like not being in control. See that's, and so it's difficult for me to enter into an altered state because I don't, I don't want to not be in control. I totally get it. My wife would say the exact same thing. And I, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't want to, I, I can't convince her out of that, but I, totally. what I will say there are times I should just have it around because I feel there are times where I will feel like safe or yeah. like I want, it's like those times I have to have it there. So I just, <laughs> <do it. laughs> but I, I'll, I'll argue slightly against that point. Cause it's a common okay. concern that I think a ton of people have with substances like these. It, I've never had the experience where I feel out of control or that I don't have agency over my body or my mind, etc. Even with the mushroom trips that I've had, I've never felt like I absolutely am just out of control. I can't do anything about it. There are people I know that have had that experience and I know it's possible if you take enough of it, but you obviously have to be smart about how you ingest it, the amount you ingest, especially as a beginner. And totally, that's a really important part, which is why a lot of this research and a lot of these, you know, people like your friend, who's the pastor, I think are really crucially important, especially to people that are just getting into it because yeah. you can go down a, a bad path, but I think it's, much more rare than a lot of people worry about. And it's a lot Mm, harder to get into that state where you would feel any sense of uh, being out of control. So I, what I'll say for you is if, and when you do try any of these substances, start small and know that it's not something that's going to make you feel like you can't, think the things you want to think or control your body in the way you want to control your body. I've never experienced that myself and I've, you know, spent years yeah. <laughs> trying these substances. So, and Mike, like, so microdosing, which people talk mm-hmm. about, is that just, is that like the, what you were kind of talking about doing like half of a gram? So that wouldn't necessarily be considered microdosing. That's just a small dose. Microdosing would be, uh, so like a 10th of a gram or, you know, a hundredth of a gram or so, I, I don't know the specifics for, you know, what the actual consideration of microdosing is, but it's, it's what they would call a non psychedelic amount, meaning Got the amount it. that you ingest would not induce any sort of psychedelic sense or feelings in the person who takes it. The whole purpose of, of microdosing is there's theories that at a microdosing level or dose, 
you can experience just a heightened level of being. And I've tried, mm. I've tried microdosing with mushrooms actually. And okay. the, the feeling that I got is it's almost, it was, it's really hard to describe, especially to maybe somebody who hasn't tried it, but it was almost like an increased warmth, almost like mm. you, if you take like a tiny bit of your guard is down. Not, not even that my guard is down, but I'll give you maybe an illustrative example. So, you know, when you take a photo, if you go into like a photo editing app, you can make that photo either look warmer where a lot of the oranges yeah. and reds are highlighted or colder where a lot of the blues are highlighted. Do, do you follow me? Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if when I would take a micro dose that my, my view of the world would just be slightly more on the warmer side of that photo. Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, and I view, I think of that from a positivity perspective as well. I equate warm, the warmth with just more joyfulness, more positivity, more maybe creativeness just in, in general it's not something that I can necessarily pinpoint. And I'm sure there's probably some level of placebo effect that's involved as well. But that, that was my experience. And that's what a lot of people will share their experiences as well with microdosing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's great. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I think it, I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Oh, oh, and a lot of people, what I wanted to go back to was ingesting, uh, marijuana versus smoking it. So if, if, and when you're going to try it, I would urge you to either vaporize it or smoke it starting off. The reason being is because it's, it's very difficult to control your dosing when you, when you ingest something, when you eat Mm. a, a drug, when you smoke a drug, you get an immediate feedback loop. So if you yes, inhale it, one of the things they were saying, yeah, if you inhale it, you experience the high much quicker and you're able to regulate it much faster as a result yeah. of that. So and I think they were saying, they were mentioning that if you ingest it, it, it's more anxious inducing for some reason. I don't think that's accurate. I, I think okay. the, it, the anxiousness depends on the person, frankly. And I think it's also related to how you're going into it. So for somebody like you or somebody like my wife going into it, like you were saying, you felt in yourself that there's been certain experiences where you're, you're ready to go. If it was in front of you, you'd think you'd try it and you'd probably have a good time. That that's the mindset that you kind of have to go into it with. If you're feeling anxious, then you're probably going to have an anxious, a more anxious experience. Anxious. Exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. I don't think that ingesting it versus smoking it has any relation to that. What does make a big difference is ingesting it, which they may have talked about in the Joe Rogan podcast, because I know he's talked about it quite a bit it actually has a different effect on you physically than smoking it. The way that you 
the way that the THC, which is the, the, yeah, they you know, the active the th- people have like, yeah, THC lotion. And- yeah. The way the THC gets into your bloodstream when you smoke it versus ingesting it, it almost, uh, when you ingest it in like uh, a food or something to that effect, it almost acts like a psychedelic would act because you ingest psychedelics. So in, I've actually had (laughs) several experiences ingesting marijuana and I, it, some of those experience experiences are the highest I've ever been in my life. And Mm That is including yeah. the mushroom experiences I've had. It's a, it's a slightly different feeling than the mushroom experiences, but I've. Well, it, I think they were saying sometimes people think it's laced because they don't know exactly. They don't ingest the proper amount. Yeah, and on top of that, it takes roughly like an hour to even feel the effect in the first mm-hmm. place. So yeah. what a lot of people run into and <laughs> I'll me, have me with my first time ever drinking. Did you, do you ever hear that story? Did I'm sure I have the first time was I, I there. I drank. No, it wasn't until college. You had, had drank had in high school. I never had a sip. Of I don't know about that. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> I had my first sip of alcohol in college freshman year okay okay story for sure i met all of our friend i i was sober the whole time never drank all through high school all right i believe you but we'll have to share that story yeah (laughs) couldn't feel the effects at first yeah i have i'll i also have another story for you offline about one of our friends ingesting marijuana brownies but the the problem that you'll hear everyone talk about is when you ingest it, you don't feel it. You ingest more of it and more of it and more of it. Then it all hits you like a ton of bricks and you can't Mm. feel your face. So (laughs) that's, that's the problem with ingesting it. It's very difficult to, to dose it properly. And the effect is just much different. So if, and when you try it, highly suggest that you either vaporize it or just smoke it normally. And you'll, you'll have a a better experience. And by the way, you may not even feel anything the first time you try it because you'll probably not want to try a lot of it and you just may not Mm. have enough and that's okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's better to not feel it than to feel too much of it. So those are some of my recommendations and maybe, maybe one day we'll, we'll have to (laughs) partake (laughs) together and I'll shepherd you through it. By the way, has your, does your husband do it or has he done it? Any of these things? He he has never either, but I know for sure the only, I know the first time I do it, I would only ever do it if he were there. He's of course, he's one of the only people in life that I just know straight up would never let anything bad happen to me. And so I think in order to not be anxious, I'd have to have him there just to know that no matter what happened, obviously he would take care of me yeah, and yeah. protect me at all costs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so smart. Oh, and so I did have, that would have to occur. I did have one more question before we wrap up. You mentioned about uh, a couple of your brothers who have experienced addiction issues. I I'm assuming neither of them had experienced a, 
psychedelic therapy that assisted with the addiction? Is that an accurate assumption? They, I, my one brother who has dealt with deep addiction Mm -hmm. since he was very young, I don't, I could not tell you what all he's tried. Okay. I wasn't sure if either of them or like a therapy way. Are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause a a lot of these, he's definitely not tried to do some type of psychedelic therapy. Gotcha. It's becoming more common in the addiction world, which is why I was more curious than anything. But, and I think, I think like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Who who knows? Gotcha. What could happen? (laughs) Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that is a good way to wrap it up. Let's, let's legalize it and uh, support. I'm for legalizing it, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Let's vote. Let's legalize it. I agree. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Until next time. All right. Thanks for chatting. Bye. Bye. I love the way you say it. I've not done weed. I've not done cigarettes. I've not done. (laughs) I have not done cigarettes. No, I. Not that I am against them. Mm -hmm. I just haven't. And I have wanted to try weed for a very long time. I almost did back in twenty. Oh, what was the year? Like I think it was like twenty seventeen. I almost did it at a friend's wedding. We were in Colorado. I almost did it, but I just not smoked it, but I almost had like a gummy or whatever. Okay. Th- so there's an important lesson there, but keep going. I'll Joe bring talk us back. about it a little bit. Joe yeah. talk about it a little bit. But part of me just didn't want, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to say, I wasn't ready to not be able to say I've never done it. For some reason, I just like being able to say that. I just like being able to say that for some reason. Not that I'm against it. Not that I won't ever try it. I just like being able to say that I've never done it. I don't know why I just do for the novelty for the novelty. So, okay. Clearly as everyone can see as a child, I was was very straight laced, (laughs) a little bit judgmental, um, mostly just concerned about everyone wanting everyone to be okay. I think growing into an adult and realizing that, and, I, and like, what were we taught as kids, right? All of it is bad. Just all of it the same, like heroin, weed, it's all the same. Right? Which is it's all bad. Insane. Which is just completely insane. And so coming, growing into an adult and realizing, okay, obviously there's much bigger categories that we have here. We talk about, we can even, if you even want to compare, in my opinion, weed to alcohol, I would, I would argue that weed is has less damaging effects than alcohol by a I long shot. I think a lot. <laughs> if I you compare lot, anything to alcohol, alcohol is the most dangerous ju- drug in our society by a long shot. And so I was listening to a great podcast about it today. I was, I almost sent it to you. I'll send it to you. Okay. So, so in that sense, I think I've really obviously changed and matured my thinking on it in the fact that, okay, there are benefits, especially for medicinal purposes, I think why not a thousand percent? If we can use something like that versus these pain pills that become addicting and people become addicted to them, why would we not? Why not is my question Yeah. and statement for that. And I think I will also say that I have a brother who is, is, has addiction problems to hard drugs 
like meth and heroin and started with a pill addiction. So having that be a part of my grown adult life, I have another brother who was addicted to pills, pain pills as well, who has been clean of it for many years, almost a decade, over a decade. So both of them were at one point, and then one of my brothers got into meth and heroin and, and things like that. So also having that perspective, just knowing that, just knowing and seeing the vast difference between the two and the education around it when we were kids was not great and is is improving but i think we need to make a distinction between them psychedelics i have okay so actually know someone recently who his whole he (laughs) this is really funny was a pastor i know him tangentially other people i know know him better but was a pastor like totally was like denounced his faith and then now is a trip sitter so his whole job now is that he kind of what you're saying he monitors people through psychedelics and their experiences and like watches them and make sure they're safe and administers like safe amounts and quick question on him does he do this in person or remotely pretty sure in person and also has I'm not sure if he does it remotely. I I can't, I can't say for sure. I know for sure he does in-person things. I'm not sure if he, they also do like retreats. Gotcha. Gotcha. There, just for the record, for the listeners, there are several services that are set up for this sort of thing. Almost like the, the remote version, there is, I think, a few different apps and a few different call lines that you can call into that are almost like an emergency hotline for people that are having a bad trip that you can talk mm, to somebody. Okay, they'll talk you through it and, you know, mm. help you out in that way. So I think it's got great. It. I, but I was just curious what he might be doing. Got it. I'll send you his website. But... Cool. So, yeah, so I think, I think there are benefits to it. I think I would love more research around it, kind of like what you're saying, yeah. because it would be great to know, as with anything is good to know, here's the plus sides, what are the downsides, what is the harm that it could be causing, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think, so that people can use appropriately to the best of their knowledge. And so I think that, natural forms like these that can be used maybe even for people to deal with trauma and things like that. I think it's great. And I think the more you know about it, the more you can create guidelines around it to have it be safe, or at least people help people know what is a safe way to engage in it. And for me, I think it's much better than some of these other things that we use to cope, to cope with sure life. So I'm not sure. I also, I'm a little bit skeptical about, and this is just me as a person being skeptical of, I'm almost skeptical of, skeptical of every single thing until I'm convinced otherwise, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm skeptical of the, the amount of creativity and genius people claim when they're on trips I'm I'm confused about that aspect. I'm skeptical of it in the sense that I feel like people, I'm like, you're just, are you 
imagining that you're having this genius moment and then it isn't really that or are you i'm kind of just like eh, i don't know about that part yeah well i can explain so, it to a degree okay. i i i've not written a award-winning song or written an award-winning book so i can't speak to the absolute art artistic benefits. But in my experience, what I'll say is some of these substances, the way that they work from a mechanical perspective in your mind is they remove a lot of inhibitions that you naturally have just in a sober state, if, if that makes sense. So it does, but I think I'm what, but is it made, is it made up? I think my question is, is, so people feel like they're experiencing a part of the world or another dimension or a different thing than they would otherwise. But to me, I'm like, is it just a ma- a whole made up thing in your head? And and does that really matter? I guess if it's a made up thing, but they experienced it, I don't know. So, uh, are, so when you're asking this or you're curious about it, are you thinking of, let's say like in the, in the sixties, all of the rock and roll artists would say, you know, we, we smoke weed because it helps us write songs better. Is that kind of the, what no, you're even, curious even about? Psychedelics, even psychedelics. Gotcha. Okay. I, I understand like people wanting to put their inhibitions down. Right? I think that's one of the reasons people drink, right? Socially, they want to feel more comfortable, less awkward. So they drink Yeah. instead of just learning how to be a human. But I, sorry, that was so rude. Okay. I don't, <laughs> that was incredibly, incredibly rude. And I truly, uh, well, there's lots of, we're going to take that one clip that. out of context and put it yeah, as the preview. Oh boy. Okay, great. So anyway, yes, say what you're gonna say, please. Yeah. So I think all of these substances work differently. Again, just like alcohol affects you in a different way than marijuana would affect you. And there are certain things like a lot of people to give just a generalized or broad example, a lot of people would say, like, under the influence of alcohol, they in a guy's perspective, I would have maybe less of a worry to go up to a girl in the, in a bar and say hello or, you know, something to that effect. So that's something that alcohol would be able to reduce maybe some of that level of anxiety that I would normally have or anybody would normally have in a sober state. Similar sense with marijuana, it, in my experience, the way that some of the strains work is that it allows you to relax in a in a in a way where you can think of things slightly differently so in my best experiences smoking or ingesting marijuana everything seems funny and just positive to me And I think of funny things. I think of funny things to say. Things that I hear are just funnier or they just come out in a different way. I hear them differently. I think of them Mm -hmm. slightly differently. Doesn't mean I don't have the capacity to do that same thing when I'm when I'm sober. I do. And I and I have. But it almost highlights it in a different in a different type of style. This is so this is a great example. This is my question, though. But what if. To me, you're like, okay, or I find something funny, but what if it isn't funny, but just because you're in this altered state, 
it's now funny. Oh, for sure. You, you don't. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, that's so what unless I were to write it down and then share it after the fact, I wouldn't know. But a lot of, yeah, okay. a lot of, let's say friends I have, or just people in general in more of the creative spaces, they, they would argue that they do write it down. They do, do you know, write a song or they do paint a painting or they do whatever creative outlet that they have. And other people seem to appreciate it. So that's, you know, a reinforcing mechanism for them that, oh, this drug allows me to unlock this creative uh, ability. Even though it doesn't, they have the ability to do it. It just seems to them that when they're under the influence that it's easier to access that. That that would be my main thesis, is that the, the creative types... I, I think in general are are just naturally creative and a lot of them have honed that skill and if and when they're under the influence they may find it easier to access that creativity that's my theory yeah I totally get it I think I'm skeptical yeah naturally I think it, I think it yeah and I think it, I think it's more in people's head it's like the altered state that's making them feel this way yeah but yeah but yeah and i mean even like sandre was talking about when he because they had a conversation about sandre changing his, his opinion views. about his views about weed yeah and he said that he did he has done weed and or tried weed or whatever and that he wrote a bunch of stuff down and he said that afterwards he was like it wasn't bad yeah. <laughs> so that <was> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I think you're right to be skeptical. You haven't experienced it yourself. So it's, it's really hard to understand what, what that's like without having the experience yourself. So yeah. I, I would urge you to at some point <laughs> have the experience. I don't like not being it in control. See, that's and so it's difficult for me to enter into an altered state because I don't I don't want to not be in control. I totally get it. My wife would say the exact same thing and I you know, I I can't I I don't want to. Yeah. I I can't convince her out of that, but I totally. what I will say there are times I should just have it around because I feel there are times where I will feel like safe or yeah. like I want, it's like those times I have to have it there. So I just, <laughs> <do it. laughs> but I, I'll, I'll argue slightly against that point. Cause it's a common okay. concern that I think a ton of people have with substances like these. It, I've never had the experience where I feel out of control or that I don't have agency over my body or my mind, etc. Even with the, mushroom trips that I've had, I've never felt like I absolutely am just out of control. I can't do anything about it. There are people I know that have had that experience and I know it's possible if you take enough of it, but you obviously have to be smart about how you ingest it, the amount you ingest, especially as a beginner. And totally, that's a really important part, which is why a lot of this research and a lot of these 
you know, people like your friend, who's the pastor, I think are really crucially important, especially to people that are just getting into it because you can go down a, a bad path, but I think it's much more rare than a lot of people worry about. And it's a lot Mm, harder to get into that state where you would feel any sense of being out of control. So I, what I'll say for you is if, and when you do try any of these substances, start small and know that it's not something that's going to make you feel like you can't think the things you want to think or control your body in the way you want to control your body. I've never experienced that myself and I've, you know, spent years yeah. trying these substances. So, and Mike, like, so microdosing, which people talk mm-hmm. about, is that just, is that like the, what you were kind of talking about doing like half of a gram? So that wouldn't necessarily be considered microdosing. That's just a small dose. Microdosing would be so like, a tenth of a gram or, you know, a hundredth of a gram or so. I, I don't know the specifics for, you know, what the actual consideration of microdosing is, but it's, it's what they would call a non-psychedelic amount, meaning God, the amount yeah. that you ingest would not induce any sort of psychedelic sense or feelings in the person who takes it. God. The whole purpose of, of microdosing is there's theories that at a microdosing level or a dose, you can experience just a heightened level of being. And I've tried, I've tried microdosing with mushrooms actually. And the, the feeling that I got is it's almost, it was, it's really hard to describe, especially to maybe somebody who hasn't tried it, but it was almost like, an increased warmth, almost like mm. you, if you take like a tiny bit of your guard is down, not, not even that my guard is down, but I'll give you maybe an illustrative example. So, you know, when you take a photo, if you go into like a photo editing app, you can make that photo either look warmer where a lot of the oranges yeah. and reds are highlighted or colder where a lot of the blues are highlighted. Do do you follow me? Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if when I would take a micro dose that my, my view of the world would just be slightly more on the warmer side of that photo. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and I view, I think of that from a positivity perspective as well. I equate warm, the warmth with just more joyfulness, more positivity, more maybe creativeness just in, in general, it's not something that I can necessarily pinpoint. And I'm sure there's probably some level of placebo effect that's involved as well, but that, that was my experience. And that's what a lot of people will share their experiences as well with microdosing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I think it. I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah. For, oh, oh, and a lot of people. What I wanted to go back to was ingesting uh, marijuana versus smoking it. So, if if and when you're going to try it, I would urge you to either vaporize it or smoke it. 
starting off. The reason being is because it's in, it's very difficult to control your dosing when you when you ingest something, when you eat mm. uh, a drug. When you smoke a drug, you get an immediate feedback loop. So if you yes, inhale it, one of the things they were saying. Yeah, if you inhale it, you experience the high much quicker and you're able to regulate it much faster as a result yeah. of that. So and I think they were saying they were mentioning that if you ingest it, it it's more anxious inducing for some reason. I don't think that's accurate. I, I think okay. the it the anxiousness depends on the person, frankly. And I think it's also related to how you're going into it. So for somebody like you or somebody like my wife going into it, like you were saying, you felt in yourself that there's been certain experiences where you're, you're ready to go. If it was in front of you, you'd think you'd try it and you'd probably have a good time. That that's the mindset that you kind of have to go into it with. If you're feeling anxious, then you're probably going to have an anxious, a more anxious experience. Anxious. Exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. I don't think that ingesting it versus smoking it has any relation to that. What does make a big difference is ingesting it, which they may have talked about in the Joe Rogan podcast, because I know he's talked about it quite a bit. It actually has a different effect on you physically than smoking it the way that you the way that the thc which is the the yeah they you know the active the, people have like yeah thc lotion yeah the way the thc gets into your bloodstream when you smoke it versus ingesting it it almost uh, when you ingest it in like uh, a food or something to that effect it almost acts like a psychedelic would act because you ingest psychedelics. So in, I've actually had <laughs> several experiences ingesting marijuana and I, it, some of those experience experiences are the highest I've ever been in my life. And mm. that is including yeah. the mushroom experiences I've had. It's a, it's a slightly different feeling than the mushroom experiences, but I've, well, it, I think they were saying sometimes people think it's laced because they don't know exactly they don't ingest the proper amount. Yeah. And on top of that, it takes roughly like an hour to even feel the effect in the first mm-hmm. place. So yeah. what a lot of people run into and <laughs> I'll me, have me with my first time ever drinking. Did you do you ever hear that story? I'm sure I have the first time was I, I there? I drank. No, it wasn't until college. You I had drank in high school. I never had a sip of I don't ice. know about that. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> I had my first sip of alcohol in college, freshman year. Okay. It's okay. Story for sure. I ne- all of our friends, I, I was sober the whole time. Okay. Never drank all through high school. All right. I believe you. But we'll have to share that story. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't feel the effects at first. Yeah, I have. I'll. I ha- also have another story for you offline about one of our friends ingesting marijuana brownies. Okay, but the the problem that you'll hear everyone talk about is when you ingest it, you don't feel it. You ingest more of it and more of it and more of it. Then it all hits you like a ton of bricks, and you can't mm. feel your face. So <laughs> that's that's the problem with ingesting it. It's very difficult to 
to dose it properly. And the effect is just much different. So if and when you try it, highly suggest that you either vaporize it or just smoke it normally. And you'll, you'll have a a better experience. (laughs) And by the way, you may not even feel anything the first time you try it because you'll probably not want to try a lot of it and you just may not Mm. have enough and that's okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's better to not feel it than to feel too much of it. So those are some of my recommendations and maybe, maybe one day we'll, we'll have to (laughs) partake (laughs) together and I'll shepherd you through it. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, has your, does your husband do it or has he done it? Any of these things? He he has never either, but I know for sure the only, I know the first time I do it, I would only ever do it if he were there. He's of course, he's one of the only people in life that I just know straight up would never let anything bad happen to me. And so I think in order to not be anxious, I'd have to have him there just to know that no matter what happened, obviously he would take care of me. Yeah. Yeah protect me at all costs. (laughs) So so, smart. Oh, and I did have, that would have to occur. I did have one more question before we wrap up. You mentioned about uh, a couple of your brothers who have experienced addiction issues. I I'm assuming neither of them had experienced a psychedelic therapy that assisted with the addiction. Is that an accurate assumption? They, I, my one brother who has dealt with deep addiction Mm -hmm. since he was very young, I don't, I could not tell you what all he's tried. Okay. I wasn't sure if either of them or like a therapy way. Are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of these, he's definitely not tried to do some type of psychedelic therapy. Gotcha. It's becoming more common in the addiction world, which is why I was more curious than anything. But right. and I think I think like you know yeah. Yeah. Who who knows? Gotcha. What could happen? <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well I think that well, is a good way to wrap it up. Let's let's legalize it and uh, support no, I'm for legalizing it obviously <laughs> yeah let's vote let's legalize it I agree <laughs> perfect all right Done. until next time all right thanks for then. chatting bye bye